one main thought, but at the same time, there are many things that build up into this one thing. Joshua, the sixth chapter. Verse 25 through 27. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive in her father's household. And all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day. Because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And Joshua adjured them at that time saying. Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city, Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. And so the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was noised throughout all the country. Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city. For the next few moments, I would like to speak from this subject, walls have a curse. Walls have a curse. I I told my wife my original um, sermon title and she says, no, you don't, you don't, you don't want to go there. There are some walls that are very important. There are walls that define borders that are intended to be strong. We have a major fight in our country right now over a southern border wall. And its purpose for being there is to strengthen our country internally because of what is coming in. There is a significant thing that comes with walls and why they are important. But there are some walls that people build that are dangerous. There are some walls that people build that are harmful and not helpful. That are detrimental. And cursed be the man that build that wall. Come on, why don't we close our eyes and we ask the Lord to move in this place tonight. Jesus, we're asking for your anointing and your presence to come. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, speak to our spirit and our soul, oh God. Break walls down within us that need to come down. We're asking for your anointing and your grace and your mercy to be shown in this place tonight. We're asking for healing to be in the house tonight. For salvation and deliverance to be in this house tonight. God, put your words in my mouth and let me not fumble the message. God, I'm asking tonight that this mouthpiece would be an oracle of God that would be given to these people, to your people, to this church for such a time as this. And we ask for your anointing in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. Come on, why don't we clap our hands and praise Him one more time. God, you may be seated, you may be seated. I felt like this morning, being out of my comfort zone, 
came home and I told my wife and I said, I feel like I fumbled something that God would have used mightily in a powerful way because I was in a place where I was very uncomfortable. And I, 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 I tend and I have in my past built personal walls to keep myself protected. I don't have very many friends and it's not because I don't show myself or make myself friendly. I have been hurt by friends, if not anything, more than anyone else in my life or many that I thought were my friends. And I felt like if I can't allow anyone to hurt me, then I'm protected. And I'm, I, if I don't let anybody in, and so most of the time I'm, I'm friendly, but I'm at an arm's length. I'm friendly, but I, I've got to really spend time with you and get to know you before I'm going to allow myself to let you in. Because it is those that I have allowed in that have hurt me in my life the most, as probably most of us have. That's probably not a shock and awe factor to any of us. There were some walls that were built up in a city by the name of Jericho. And it was first in line of the path that God was getting ready to orchestrate for his children and come into a land that he had promised them. There were many things that would transpire and take place before Jericho would ever be reached. I'm finding that when the children of Israel in John the 5th chapter, when they first camped in Gilgal, there was a great transition that happened in their life that we need to always be mindful of and take account of. Joshua the 5th chapter and the 10th and the 11th verse says that when Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month, at evening at the plains of Jericho, they did eat of the old corn of the land. And in the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn, and parched corn the self same day. Before they were ever see the walls of the city that was built up, the, a city that was in their path, there was a transition that was getting ready to take place in their life. Uh, they had not understood and they were not expecting as they began to walk into this land and they began to walk through these fields of corn that there was something that was going to transpire that night as they celebrated the Passover and they began to worship the next morning en in route to their new victorious life of being the Bible says in the 12th verse, and the manna ceased in the morning. See, the moment they began to take and they began to eat of the corn of the field in a new season of their life, a season abruptly ended that God said, you don't need the manna from heaven any longer. You don't need the provision that I've been giving you any longer. I've walked you into a land that is plenteous. I've, I've walked you into a land that is already prepared, but yet you have to work for the preparation. You, you have to work for the things that are at your disposal now. It's not just you wandering through the wilderness and waking up in the morning and having the manna upon the ground and taking up enough for that day and that day only. The night that they celebrated the Passover, their first night in Gilgal the Bible says when they ate of the corn and the parched corn they went out the next morning and the manna had ceased when all things are passed away and all things are now be become new 
when God brings down a wall, when God sets a new precedent, the old is gone. The walls are not to return. The boundaries are not to return. The hindrances are not to return. The old ways are not to be regarded as the safe places, safe keeping places that you've always had. Now is the time for something new and for something fresh. When God has opened a door for new horizons and new revival, it's time to stop leaning upon the walls of complacency and getting by as we've always gotten by. When God has prepared a field before you and you've got the ability to walk out and have an immediate effect in a new land, in a new place, and in a new time, you will find that the manna has ceased, but provision still lays in your your path. You find that as if you've given your life to Christ, there, there are many things that look the same. You, you wake up and your hair color is still the same. Your, your house has still got the same decor. You still live on the same street. You, you still drive the same car. You're, you're still married, praise God, to the same beautiful woman. You, you've still got a wonderful... God didn't change everything that you expected in your life that you would hope. Hope that some of you wouldn't have expected that once you received the Holy Ghost or once you gave your life to God that you didn't expect that God would give you a new wife. You got the one that you got so that you can stay saved. Some of you got the one that you got so that you could get saved. See, there are a lot of things that look the same and appear the same, but all in all, on the inside, you are a new creature 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and God providing God has now walked them into the door of their oncoming promise and they already began to see the blessings as they began to walk through the ears of corn and they say we've got food and when they walked into that blessing God says and now the manna shall cease and once the aid of the corn in a new land, the provision of the wild near wilderness ceased. And the promise was now at hand. And all that the Lord provided would shift in other ways and in other directions. The Lord reassures Joshua in that time that I'm calling you to higher things. And the place where God's presence is is a holy place. And there are things that we do to surrender. And John, Joshua the fifth chapter, verses 14 through 15, as they've already come to this place and the manna has ceased, the Bible says Joshua was by Jericho and he lifted up his eyes and he looked and he saw a man standing over against him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Aren't thou for us or for our adversaries? I'm I want to tell you something that it's very important for us to know. And it's time for us to recognize when it's a God appointment. What in the world is so special when you see a man standing over against the wall or over in an area and he's got a sword drawn. There is a difference between what he saw was heavenly and what he saw was earthly. 
We have got to be humbled in our spirit enough and opened for God's presence in our life enough to realize the things that are of God and the things that are not. And Joshua approached the angel of the Lord and he said, Are you with us or are you against us? And the Lord said unto him, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he began to worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord of hosts said unto Joshua, Lose thy shoes from your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. You see, that's not always the expectation that you have when you are asking God, what do you want to do with me? What do you want to do with my life? Where do you leave me? You see, we're always looking for that next step, God. Where do you want to use me? What Bible studies do you want me to get? When do you want me to preach? When do you want me to sing? When do you want me to lead? When do you want me? And the first thing that the Spirit of the Lord told Joshua in that moment, the first thing that you need to learn how to do is submit yourself to me. Come on, I think I could preach a few minutes on what it means to be submitted. I think I could preach a few minutes on what it means to be dedicated to the house of God and submitted to godly authority in your life. Before God ever wants to use you in anything, God wants to know, are you submitted to my presence? He said, I want you to take off your shoes, Joshua, because the ground that you said is holy. That's exactly what he told Moses. He said, I've got a calling for your life, but before I can use you where I want to send you, I need you to be humbled in my presence you see that's where we lose it so many times the humility that comes with being in his presence is gone he said the ground where you stand is holy Joshua I'm going to tell you something. What separates holy ground and unholy ground. And that's where the spirit of God manifests itself. I'm going to tell you. I, I, I have a pet peeve. And, 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 and maybe it's for my years as an evangelist. But, and I understand that everyone responds in their own way. But when the presence of God is moving in a place. And people are unmoved. I get unhinged. Because I'm going to tell you, it's irritating when the presence of God has moved in a place and lives are being reached at and lives that need to be touched are being reached for and people are... And then they want to say, Pastor, I want you to pray. No, I don't want to pray. Because when the presence of the Lord was here. You see, that presence can do more than what I can in five seconds. One emotional submission to his presence can do more than a pastor's prayer over your life. Pastor, I want you to pray. Why haven't you been praying? Because when the presence of the Lord is, you don't move. I can't pray for your breakthrough when you won't allow God's presence in. I can't pray for your release or for walls to come down when you won't move when his presence shows up. I can't pray for healing in your life when you won't let him touch your heart. I can't pray for release into your family if you won't let him touch your mind. I can't. 
He says, Joshua, before I use you, I need you to realize the ground that you stand on is holy. What do you want from me, Lord? I want you to submit. The Bible says to submit yourselves therefore under God. Resist the devil and he will flee. The problem is as many of us are fleeing from the devil rather than the devil fleeing from us because we're not submitted. See, I, I probably should have preached a little bit like this this morning. You see, a lot of us are finding ourselves running from our problems uh, rather than the issues running from us uh, because in our life we're not submitted to the presence of God. You see, we don't reverence His presence like we should. Why? Why do we turn it off? Because it's not like what we're used to. It's not like how we want it. Maybe there are other things that have our attention because we other issues that are outside of this church that we feel that are pressing and we need to take care of them. Jesus looks at Martha and she's begging, telling, hey, tell Mary to help me. Jesus said there's only one thing that's important in this moment and that's my presence. You're only in the church for three hours at a time out of an entire seven days of a week. And if God can't be more important in those three hours than those things that are going to be there when you leave. How do we surrender? We surrender in our approach to worship. We surrender in our sacrifice. We surrender in our removing ourselves from our flesh from the moment. It's an important thing when we worship the presence of the Spirit of God and then we move in this place and we get our flesh out of the way. Meaning it's not done in carnal things, but it's out of a heart of surrender. It's releasing ourselves. You're afraid to get out of your pew. Then maybe you should get out of your pew because your flesh is keeping you bound. You're afraid to come to an altar and kneel down. Maybe you need to come to an altar and kneel down because your flesh is keeping you bound. You see, that's how we surrender. We get out of the ways that our mind tells you, no, you don't need to, or you shouldn't do this. But the presence of God is drawing you to a place that said, if I'm going to lead you, if I'm going to direct you, if I'm going to heal you, then there is going to be a surrender in your life. He was already told, I'm going to magnify you in the sight of Israel and that they will know that I was with you as I was with Moses. But you got to understand, I didn't. Moses surrendered to me on the backside of a wilderness. I'm asking you to surrender to me on the front side of a miracle. Moses surrendered to me when he was running from his past. I'm asking you to surrender to me before I release you into your future. Moses and Joshua were in two different places in their life. Joshua was getting ready to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And Moses was still hiding from his problems. Oh my. See, walls have a curse when we allow them to separate us from the thing that God has for us. Walls have a curse when it won't let us reach beyond ourselves and grasp the thing that God has set before us. Walls have a curse when it keeps us trapped into a life that won't let us go when God has set freedom. 
I've said it before, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And I can only tell you about what God has for you. I can only preach about the revival that God has for a, until people begin to just let their walls come down. After his important meeting face to face with the Lord, it doesn't say everything that transpired within this moment but it was obviously a powerful moment the Lord began to deal specifically with Joshua and what he had for him after already being told that he was going to use him in the sight of all of the people now there were some things that he needed the people to do and he commanded Joshua before you begin to cross Jordan there are some things that need to be carried from one side of the Jordan into the midst of Jordan. And so, and that's where we find the place of the two pillars. We find that when they began, to, the priest bore up the ark of their shoulders and they stepped into the waters and the banks of the Jordan River. The waters began to part just as God had parted the Red Sea. And when the priest began to walk into the midst of the Jordan, they walked through on dry ground. And the Bible said, and Joshua took stones. It didn't say the children of Israel took the stones. It said Joshua built there a monument. Joshua took stones from one side of the Jordan and he put them on the midst of the Jordan. He said I'm the one that's going to build the monument in the Jordan that says this is where we've come. But he said, from this point on, I need somebody from every tribe. I need a man from every tribe. I need a man appointed from every tribe to take a stone from the midst of the Jordan. He said, I need, I'm going to carry stones from the wilderness into the place that needs to be covered. But I need a man from every tribe to take a stone from the place that is covered. And I want you to pitch it in Gilgal. And they're going to ask, what do these stones mean? These stones came from the midst of the Jordan when the waters were parted. When God walked us through on dry ground. And it was a place of two pillars. One into the Jordan and one from the Jordan. Stones that were set in the midst of it by Joshua and the stones that were set up in Gilgal by the man appointed by each tribe. When the Lord, then the Lord declared himself strong on their behalf, the Bible said that they said of those stones, when they shall ask in generations to pass, what do these stones mean? It will testify to what God has done. But before there was ever anything ever preached about it, before there was anything that was ever done, Joshua said before we take one more step we praise God for what he's done we've shown the world what we believe God has done now it's time as a people that we consecrate and Joshua reestablished covenant with the Lord but now it was time for the real walls to come down Two spies had been sent out. I'm so glad that he didn't send out 12. And I'm sure the people were too. And I'm sure Rahab was as well. See, it's easier to get two in agreement. It's much harder to get 12 in agreement. You see, it's easy to get six who are faithful to our Monday night prayers, our, our monthly Monday night prayer. It's easy to get six to come. It's hard to get 75 to come. 
It's easy to get a hundred in service on Sunday morning. It's not as easy to get a hundred on Sunday night. You see, here they are. Joshua has sent spies into, Jer- into Jericho to have found the woman. She's brought them into her home. And he says, when we go in, everything is going to die except Rahab and all that in her home. I want you to take a look at how the process was in Joshua, the seventh chapter. The sixth chapter, I'm sorry. It says the city was shut up. None went out and none came in. The Lord begins to give specific commandments about going into Jericho. He said, all you shall compass the city, all you men of war, and go round about the city once, and thou shalt... Do six days and seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall come past the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And so Joshua the son of Nun called the priest and he said unto him, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven. Maybe we need to do sound equipment in our new budget. He said, listen, I need the ark and I need trumpeters. But I want you to take a look at who goes before the ark. Many years I was always told that everyone, every direction always followed the ark. But there is a time when people usher in His presence with the expectation of His presence to move. Look at this. And He said unto the people, Pass on and encompass the city and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. I'm needing my warriors to go. You see, when the Lord speaks to him first, he says, I want you to compass the city with your armed men. And I begin to question. I, 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 always, I always thought it was everybody walked in. No, no, no. He separated the warriors. He separated the difference makers. He separated the protectors. I'll say it like this in a church of today's people. He separated the prayers. And he separated the worshipers. And he said, and everybody else, he said, and following the ark and following the priests is the re-reward. 
and that is the group or the calling together of the people. You see, there's a lot of people that they don't feel that they have a place in the warrior's position, but there's a lot more warriors in this church than what we think. There ain't, you, you ain't a warrior because you can't be a warrior. You ain't a warrior because you ain't trying to be a warrior. I'm going to tell you, I'm coming in the second year of pastorship. I'm tired of excuses. I, I don't want to hear anybody. Well, I'm just not a prayer warrior like so-and-so. Then why don't you start praying like so-and-so? Well, I just don't know if I can worship like so. Well, why don't you get out of your comfort zone and put your hands in the air and worship like you can? It's not that you can't. It's that you won't. Well, God won't. No, 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 no. God will. You won't. His promises were that if any man will, let him deny himself. He said, if you trial nigh unto me, I shall draw nigh. I, don't blame it on God because you don't have it. Don't blame it on God because you can't do it. Don't blame it on God. Don't blame it on your mama. Don't blame it on your daddy. Don't blame it on your brother. Don't blame it on your sister. Blame it on yourself of why you won't worship, why you won't praise, why you won't pray. Why don't you blame it on somebody else? You can't. He said, I want the warriors to go. And so the warriors took their weapons and they walked before the ark. You see, that's why we have pre-service prayer. Because before God begins to usher in through praise and worship, before God begins to move in this place, uh, there's people that have already begun to pray that God would heal somebody, that God would deliver somebody, that God would move in a family, that God would move in a heart, that God would move in a life. You see, there's some warriors that have begun to go before the ark. And then when the ark of the Lord comes into the picture, the priests follow it with trumpets. See, there is a place for prayer. There is a place for God's interference. And then there's a place for praise. And then the people followed. He said, for six days, I don't want you to open up your mouth. I don't want you to do nothing. For six days, and he said, I want you to realize that there, there's something. We're just going to march. We're just going to walk around our problems. We're just going to walk around walls that are keeping people locked in. We're just going to surround issues that are breaking people's lives into. We're just going to walk around issues that are surrounding people and keeping them trapped in a life that they can't get free from. You don't have to say anything. Sometimes you just being there lets them know that there's a breakthrough on the way. You see, that needed a lot more because a lot of us, we're quick to speak without even thinking. Sometimes you don't even have to open up your mouth and speak to people's needs because people have a tendency to mess it up, especially if they ain't praying about what to say first. Job's friends should have asked God for help before they went to try to console Job. They didn't say nothing. They just walked. I'm sure they got home and said, I can't, I don't understand what's going on. We're walking around this city like we know what in the world we're doing. We're walking around this city. We don't know what's going to happen. But God has said he has given us this city. 
The Bible said on that seventh day, Joshua comes in. He says, we're getting up early and we're walking all day. He said, I just want you to be be aware. We're going to walk in silence. But this isn't going to be like every day. Because when we go around that seventh time. When we began to blow the sound of the trumpets. When we release the people to praise. He said, honey, you ain't got nothing to be silent about. You lift up your voice and you shout. When the people of God began to blow the trumpets and praise, every person that has sat down, every person that has quieted down, everyone that has sat there with a grimace on their face, crossed their arms, didn't believe the preacher. All we've done is march for six days. All we marched is six times on the seventh day. I came to the, you ain't said nothing, you ain't done nothing. But when we release the sound, the praise into the atmosphere, it's everyone will lift up their voice and shout unto God. You see, it wasn't just Joshua that would learn a value lesson of submission the people would learn it very quickly. Because when they obeyed the word of the Lord, the walls you didn't have to pick at it with a pickaxe. You didn't have to dig at its foundations with the shovel. All you had to do was be submitted to the Word of God. I'm just going to stop there. I've got more to preach, but I'll preach it next Sunday night. All you got to do is stand in reverence of the Word of God. All you got to do is walk in faithfulness to the promises of God. All you got to do is what thus saith the Lord. And walls that are not meant to be. Because the sad truth is, is a lot of the people's issues with walls are the walls that they've built. And when you submit yourself to God, you are allowing your walls to come down. When you submit yourself to His anointing and to His presence, you're allowing your walls to come down. It's okay, we're all sinners. It's okay, we've all come short. We've all failed. We've all messed up. But when you begin to say, God, I'm not my own, I'm yours. What do you want from me? What do you want with me? Where can you use me? Where can you lead me? God, I just need your peace in my heart. I just need your word in my mind. I just need your presence with me. I need you in my heart. I need you in my soul. I need you in my spirit. I need you to take control of these thoughts that are going on. And when you begin to submit yourself, your own walls begin to deteriorate. See, when the enemy comes in, the Bible says, like a flood, the Lord shall raise up a standard against it. 
the Lord will always respond in order to the amount of offense that He is coming against and more to take it down. I want you to know God is not coming into this place tonight to equal your problem. God has come into this place tonight to be greater than your God did not come into this place to meet your problem head on. He came into this place to look down a problem upon your problem and say you are beneath. He doesn't match up to the enemy and look him square in the eye or square to the shoulder. Brother Skipper, no. He walks in and he towers over him and he says, you leave her alone. There is no one like unto our God. There is none greater than Him. And in the matter that your problems arise, He comes in greater. Because greater is He that is in you than the one that is in the world. Walls have a curse. But He has come to break it that the sting of death and the curse of sin would be broken that by his blood the captives would be set free oh I wish I had a church full of prayer warriors tonight I wish I had a church full of people that believed in this tonight I believe I wish I had a church that were willing to respond to let the walls come down I want the walls to come down. I'm tired of being trapped. I'm tired of being blocked in. I'm tired of being broken down. I'm tired of feeling like I'm a captive in my own life. I'm tired of being submitted to my own thoughts that are breaking me. I'm tired of living in fear. I'm tired of this bondage. I'm tired of this brokenness. I'm tired of this pain. I'm tired of this burden. I'm tired of the walls that have cursed me. Come on, somebody. Why don't you stand to your feet tonight? Come on, why don't you stand to your feet and lift your hands to the Lord tonight? There's an altar. If you haven't prayed at an altar in a long time, here's an altar for a wall to come down. Here's an aisle for a wall to come down.
the higher I'll reach, the greater the cost, the more I believe for. I will praise you. I will praise you. I won't let the stones cry. I won't let the stones cry out. I will praise you. Something stronger